0: If you have a Bible today, turn me to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1, and I'll begin there in verse 5 again. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for being at Bible study. If this is your first time at Truth Chapel, welcome home, and we love you already, and we're so glad you're here. This is our Bible study time. We focus on the Word of God, and we learn, and we grow, and we glean, and we mature. Amen. The book of Joshua, chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. When you have it, say, I got it. it. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land. Which, was, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, be thou, uh, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whither thou goest. This book of the law shalt not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, somebody say then. For then shalt shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest." today if you allow me just a few moments I want to talk to you about good success good success amen would you pray with me Lord we thank you for your word we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word there are many today that do not have the opportunity that we have and for that we are grateful we are thankful Lord and we show you gratitude for your word and we ask that we would not be just hearers of it but doers of it also and we'll be careful to give you praise and glory and the church said amen Amen. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Our reading today in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, many of you know this, but uh, I'm going to assume that you don't. So uh, sometimes as preachers, sometimes as preachers, we get really comfortable saying things like, you know this story. uh, And maybe you don't know this story. Um, So I'm going to try to not get trapped in that colloquialism. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to pretend like you don't know the story. The children of Israel have been led out of Egypt, um, and they have a leader, and his name is Moses. Moses will be a proverbial foreshadowing of Jesus Christ himself. He stands between God and the people. Moses writes the Torah. The first five books of the Bible are written by Moses. Moses is able to go to the mount, and he's able to see the hinder parts of God, and from that moment, from that enlightenment and that revelation, Moses begins to write. And he writes the book of Genesis. And he writes to us about creation from a standpoint of revelation and illumination. Uh, there are a few things in the book of Genesis that, especially in the story of creation, in the story of creation there are a few things that are obscure and we don't really understand them. But when you, when you understand that uh, the man that wrote this book, wrote this book hundreds of years after this happened, or some may even say thousands of years after this happened because we lose track of time a little bit in the garden. And so we don't know how long it was between the time that that this took place and the time that Moses wrote this, but Moses is looking back in time and he's seeing what happened and writing it as one who is observing and not as one who was a witness and was there. And so Moses is the leader of God's people. And Moses leads God's people out of Egypt after over 450 years of slavery. They are brought to Egypt under undue circumstances because of a famine, 70 of them. And now uh, each theologian has his own idea, but somewhere between two and three million people are walking out of uh, of the land of captivity that has become... um, that went from a land of salvation to a land of captivity. And so now they are 450 years removed from that and they are marching out of Egypt. And as they march out of Egypt, God does great miracles, signs and wonders. He opens the Red Sea. We know all of this. Um, If you want to read this, you can go back in the book of Genesis and Exodus and you can read this story um, in its entirety from the Exodus chapter one on through uh, the story of the Exodus of the children of Israel And when we get to this place, they come to the land that God promised them. God promised them land. God promised them land. God promised them Canaan all the way back with Abraham. He told Abraham, everything you see, every every place you put your foot, this is your land. I give it to you and I give it to your children and their children and generations to come. You shall have many sons, he told Abraham, and they shall be as the sands of the sea. Your people shall be like the stars in the sky. And so here we are in this place and Moses is the leader and Moses has people who are succeeding him and one of those young men, his name is Joshua. It is Joshua and Caleb that go into the promised land to spy it out. They come back and they say, we are well able to take this land. God has given us this land. But there are 10 other men who bring, the Bible says an evil report, that the report was evil. And they said, We can't do this. There are giants in the land. We're not ready for this. And so God makes them walk around in the desert for 40 years. And every man over the age of 20 dies in that desert, except for Joshua and Caleb. Every other man over the age of 20 dies in that desert. And now these people are ready to go into the new land. And as they're going into the new land, Moses dies. Moses passes away. And he's able to look across the river Jordan, but he is not able to go into the land. He passes away and Joshua becomes the leader. Now we have um, still maybe two to three million people about to go into a land that is littered with enemy. Ammonites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, and the like. And we know that god has already told them when you go into the land you're gonna face resistance but know that i've given you the land i I, i'm gonna go before you the land is yours but it's not gonna be without struggle and he even tells the children of israel he tells them i'm actually gonna make you struggle for it little by little because the land is so much that if i gave it to you in one day it would over it would overtake you you you, you would not know what to do with it he says so i'm going to give you this land stage by stage and you're gonna you're gonna struggle to get this land I've given you the land don't be afraid of the enemy I've already defeated them I'm gonna send hornets before you I'm gonna I'm gonna drive out all these people I'm gonna do this all I need you do is to go in step by step and now Joshua is the guy leading these millions of people into this new land and Joshua is talking to the Lord in in Joshua chapter 1 and the Lord is talking to him About what is next for Joshua and what is next for these people and God informs Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 in our reading today that there will no man will be able to stand up against you and he he says to him just like I was with Moses just like I led Moses and just like I didn't leave Moses and just like I represented Moses well and just like when Moses called my name I was there he said just like I was with Moses this is verse 5 I will be with thee and I will not fail thee and I will not forsake thee. He said, I'm not going to leave you, Joshua. I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. Just like I talked to him, I'm going to talk to you. And just like I led him, I am going to lead you. And he told him to be strong. Uh, Several times between the fifth verse and the ninth verse, God tells Joshua, To have courage he tells him to be of a good courage then he tells him to be very courageous and then he tells him again be strong and be of a good courage he continually tells him throughout these scriptures that what you're about to do is going to take courage someone say this with me success Success. takes takes courage if it doesn't take courage to achieve it it's probably not successful Good success takes courage. You will have to go where you don't want to go. You will have to fight what you do not want to fight. Courage is not the absence of fear. That's not what courage is. Courage courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is action in the presence of fear. Somebody, you can write that down if you want to. You can take that. Courage is action in the face of fear. It's I'm afraid. But I'm not paralyzed by my fear. I'm going to act. And so Joshua definitely is afraid. The Lord is telling him to be not afraid. But he's a human. And, he, and, he, and he, is, he is victim to the human condition. You are victim to the human condition. There's nothing you can do about your humanity. You can't escape the flesh that you're living in right now. And if you do, you're dead. The, the flesh that you're living in right now, you are a victim and you are a slave to the human condition, but you don't have to be controlled by it, okay? I, I, I have the emotional context of fear, but the Lord is telling me to be courageous that he will not leave me nor forsake me. He's telling Joshua, Joshua, you have to have courage to go where you're going. You have to have courage to achieve what you're about to achieve, meaning that there will be fear, but don't be afraid. There will be obstacles, but keep on moving. If you got to walk around it, walk around it. Matter of fact, walk around it seven times. You, you, you will be successful if you're able to take courage, be very courageous. He said, be very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. It takes courage to do what God is asking us to do. If it doesn't take courage, then how can it be successful? If it doesn't take courage, then then then, then why would God even ask us to do it? Why, why would there be any kind of suffering, pain, brokenness, or failure in our way if God didn't say, Listen, you have to be courageous because God knew all those things are coming. All of those things are going to happen. You're going to experience fear, loss, darkness, depression, anxiety. You're going to face enemies that you did not think you were going to face. You're going to face them in ways you didn't think you were going to face them. But if you want to have good success, you're going to have to be courageous. Courageous. And I know that sounds just super duper like corny and it's, you, it's, it's, it's repetitious. You've heard it before. And, uh, it, you know, it sounds good in a book and, and, and it, you know, makes for a good movie. But this is the Bible. And uh, I can dismiss a movie and I can dismiss somebody's self-help book. But you can't dismiss, you cannot dismiss the word of God. I can dismiss a good, uh, successful novel and I can, I can dismiss uh, uh, any kind of, of leader who would try to help you grow. But you cannot cannot dismiss the Word of God. And the Word of God is telling us to be strong and be of a good courage. If we wanna have good success, it's gonna take courage. And it doesn't mean that you won't be afraid. There's some people in this room today, you are battling fear. And I wanna tell you that you're not weird. You're not crazy. You're not in over your head. You don't need to turn around and go back the other way. You don't need to quit and you don't need to give up. You just need to find courage. Because courage is action in the face of fear. I'm doing something even though I am afraid. Last, last Sunday, I, I, I wasn't here because I was, uh, I'd been asked a year ago to facilitate a wedding for a young man that I went to Iraq with. When. He showed up to Iraq, his name was Darius Jenkins, and some of you met him at my 40th birthday party, and he spoke. When Darius got to Iraq, he was very, very young and had just graduated basic training. He literally was fresh. I had been in the military since 1999, and even though I had never been in combat, I I knew my way around the equipment, and I knew my way around uh, the people, and I knew, I understood, you know, at least some level of what was expected of me in a combat situation and Jenkins was fresh and he was uh, a little bit fearful at times uh, because we were getting bombed all the time. And uh, this past weekend, he reminded me of the third day we were in Iraq and I forgot this story. I forgot the story. The third day we were in Iraq, Jenkins had KP. Now, if you don't know what KP is, that's Kitchen Patrol we've been there three days and we have been bombed probably about 15 times in those three days continual bombing they were dropping bombs in our camp all the time and everybody was afraid there was a thousand guys on a camp in the middle of nowhere and uh literally in the middle of nowhere and you could see for about a mile and a half in a complete circle around our camp and we have pushed up dirt we call them berms we pushed up dirt in a big massive square and um, they were trying to drop bombs in that square, and they did get a couple in, that, in there. Our first night there, they got one that literally landed uh, probably, from, probably from me to Brother Shorter, that's how close it landed to us, but it was on the other side of, a, of a, what we call a HESCO barrier, and that, that barrier saved our lives. I still have a coffee mug in my, in my possession with some shattered glass and rocks because it landed beside my truck. I, just, I was just standing there minutes before beside my truck. It, Tore our truck up, and I picked up some of that glass that morning, and I kept it. And I said, "I'm always going to keep this to know that that's how close I came uh, to dying." My first night in camp. Our third day, we were everybody was on you know high alert. It was crazy, and we were fearful. And for any man to say he wasn't afraid, you're just you're just you're lying. You're you're a liar, and the truth ain't in you. Uh, but, but, but we just kept going. We kept working and we were, we were eating dinner. It was, it was in the afternoon and Darius had KP. He was just fresh out of basic training. He had KP kitchen patrol and he's, and, and, and our kitchen was just like a little, um, little pop-up tent deal that they had made. And they just, you know, all the stuff's in a bag. They boil it in water and then they pour it out into a dish and you come in and you, it's, it's like slop. It's horrible. It's, it's the worst food you could imagine. Um, and it was beef and noodles. I knew it was beef and noodles because for the first two months in Iraq, that's all we had was beef and noodles and noodles and beef because we were the last camp on the supply train and everybody would get the good stuff and we got beef and noodles. So the, 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 they would keep changing it on the screen. They would say beef and noodles or the little chalkboard, beef and noodles, pastries and beef, uh, noodles and beef. And they just kept changing the name of it, but it was the same thing. Trying to, trying to get in our heads. And they dropped, so uh, Darius is, is, is carrying a big pot of that water that we boil the bags in. He's carrying it out and he takes it and he dumps it uh, in this little area where they were dumping all, that, all that, the water they would use that they had boiled. As you boil f- four or five or 20 or 100 bags, it just gets old and you, they dump it out. He's dumping it out and a mortar round landed right beside him. Thunk! Just landed in the soft ground and it's just sitting there and he's looking at it and it's just spinning. This really happened in real life. And he's like, M- M- mortar <laughs> and he he takes off running he drops the pan takes off running. the the mortar round did not go off it did not explode it would have probably killed him and maybe four or five other kitchen guys that were standing there right around. The it he just landed in the soft sand and just stuck there of course they're shooting mortars at us no joke they're shooting mortars at us that the russians left in the 40s this, 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 this is what they were doing so, they were finding mortars that the Russians left in the fort. They were finding them out in the fields. They were taking them and dropping them in, in tubes. It was craziness. So, they, they, it, it lands. He runs back into the KP. He's like, Mortar! And then two or three more land, and they're boom, boom, boom. And everybody goes on high alert. And the, the NCOIC of the kitchen patrol, the, the non commissioned officer in charge, the sergeant, takes Jenkins' gun. He said, give me your weapon. And he takes Jenkins' gun from him and runs. And Jenkins is standing there with no gun now. And he runs. And everybody gets on, on the, the edge of the, uh, of the border because someone said they're on their way. And so we all go up to the edge of this berm. And we're looking out. You can look out a mile and a half. And here comes a truck. And the truck is just driving on the road. Fast as fast. It can go, wham. And we're like, here we go. He's coming in. He's got a bomb. He's going to blow us up. We can see the sparks flying out of the back of the truck and everybody's terrified. It's just, it's, it's fear. And, and I had really forgot about this story until we were, last weekend and Jenkins was like, y'all remember the day? And we're all like, oh my gosh!" I tried to wipe that out of my mind actually. Uh, appreciate you bringing it back. So this truck's coming and they're still bombing us. There's bombs coming in and, and they're landing just different places and, and guys are screaming and yelling and uh, it's, it's war. And I'm sitting next to a, a tower and I can hear them on the radio, and they're back and forth, where's it coming from, where's it come from? We gotta get mortars out now, we gotta get mortars out now. So we start firing back, and here's this truck, and they say, man, there's a truck coming, the truck coming, and we can see it coming from a long ways away. It's got sparks flying on the back of it, and so someone at the talk, which is the tactical Operations Center, someone says over the radio, fire warning shot. Well, you gotta imagine, there's like 500 guys on this berm, and none of them can hear the radio, and I, was sitting next to the tower, so me and probably 20, 30 guys around the tower heard the radio, and we heard the guy say, "Fire warning shot." Where well, they did, they got a the .50 cal and just fired a couple rounds, boom, 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 downrange, just you know over the front of the truck. No one else knew that there was a warning shot, and all those men went Rambo. No joke. I mean, they were like you know guys like, <laughs> we just unloaded on this truck, this poor truck. Guys taking their shirts off, bandanas on. (laughs) We're like, this is the the first rounds that we fire back, you know, at the enemy. And guys are going crazy. They're unloading clips on this truck. The truck starts smoking, rolls off the side of the road. Um, As he rolls off the side of the road, it turns sideways, and we see that it's a bunch of rebarb hanging out the back of the truck. There's some poor family in there that just got shot up pretty bad. None of them died. We actually triaged them. I helped them load them on the helicopter and we got them out to Germany quickly and saved their lives. Uh, It was just a family driving down the road. That was their road. We were the ones who were in their way, not the other way around. Uh, But fear will make you do stuff that you wouldn't normally do. You know, that day we we shot two innocent people and uh, a husband and wife and their child that was in the back seat did not take not one round it was a miracle we shot her twice and shot him eight times and uh, tore the truck all to pieces um, but we you know triaged him and we we, we got him okay and then uh, we gave him a, a brand new Toyota Tundra I remember it because I helped the colonel deliver it It was a really nice truck and we shook their hand and we told him sorry and that was it welcome to the US Army um, <laughs> That's, that, 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 that was life over there for a year. But not, not one of those guys uh, would have done what they did uh, under any other kind of circumstances because fear just make you do stuff. You know, you don't know. You know, you don't, you, you don't know it's, it's too far away. You don't know that that's not the enemy. And a part of having good success is being able to control your fear in, 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 in times where your fear can get the best of you and make you do things that you would not normally do and not not normally experience outside of of that moment. And when you are courageous, it doesn't mean that you're not fearful. When you're courageous, it means that I have fear, but I'm also in control of the fear and the fear is not in control of me, right? Because fear will take control of you and you will act in ways that you would not normally act. But then there's times when fear can be present but I'm still in charge of my faculties. I'm still listening. I'm still hearing. I'm still able to move forward because that's courage. That's courage. A lot of us think that courage means that this doesn't bother me. Courage means that I'm okay. Courage means that I fake it till I make it. Courage, you know, oh, oh, this guy, he went through a lot of stuff, but look, he's okay. He has a lot of courage. No, courage is being vulnerable sometimes and saying, hey, I'm hurting, but I'm here. I'm, 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 I'm going through some stuff, but I'm ready to move forward. And Joshua had just lost his leader. Joshua had just lost his pastor. And Joshua now realizes that two million people to three million people are under my rule. And I'm about to walk into a place where everybody there hates us and wants to kill us. And all I need to know is, are you with me? Just like I was with Moses, I will be with thee so be strong and be of a good courage. For you, you're going to help divide this land to the people. He said, if you be thou strong and be courageous that thou may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou may is prosper wherever thou shalt goest. This book of the law, watch this verse in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, somebody say, for then. <laughs> thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. If you, if you keep the word in your mouth, you see, a lot of times, just, just knowing the word isn't enough you need to be able to speak the word of God, that you keep it in your mouth always, and that you meditate, it, meditate on it day and night. Here's where I think that as a church, uh, and not just Truth Chapel, but as, as, a, as a body, as a kingdom, the church has gotten off track uh, b- because we like to praise and worship, but we don't like to read and pray. We, you know, we love to shout and sing, but we don't like to read and pray. We, you, know, you know, we love to come to church and look good and wear the suits and the ties, and we love to say things like we're apostolic. We like to say things like we're Pentecostal, but we're not biblical uh, because we don't keep the word in our mouths. And we're not seeing good success in our churches, and we're not seeing good success in our homes because all we have is a form of the godliness, but we deny the power thereof. Because we are we are okay, we are okay being identified with something that we don't actually do. We're not doing it. We're not keeping the word in our mouth and meditating it in our hearts. It's just it's just on our hands, and and we like to look the part and sound the part, and and, and people will get frustrated with the leadership of this church. Because we're not doing things that they think is apostolic. And really it's just traditional. And you're just mad that we're not doing things that they did at the other church. Or what they're doing down the road. But we're being biblical. And I'd rather be biblical than apostolic. And I'd rather be biblical biblical than Pentecost. Here's the deal. If you're biblical, you're going to be apostolic. It's not the other way around. My, my, my apostolic-ism doesn't make me biblical, my, my biblical-ism makes me apostolic. If, if you're biblical, you're going to be identified as a Pentecostal, because if you're biblical, you're going to be searching for the Pentecostal experience, and you're going to want to have what the apostles had if you're biblical. But we've got so traditional, like, like we beat up a lot of people for being traditional. Like we beat up a lot of denominations for being uh, traditional and we beat up a lot of other religions for being traditional, but we got our tradition snakes in the house too. We got our sacred cows and we got our things that, that we love to stand behind and beside and say, this is it. But if you, if you would bounce that thing off the word, if you would take whatever that thing is, you think that's so precious and you bounce it off the word, you would realize that it would crumble. There's pieces of it that are right, but the whole thing is not, is not right. And, and you can't. You got to stop giving people a piece of bread and tell them it's the whole loaf. But, but what happens when you keep the law in your mouth and you meditate on it in your heart, that's when you find good success. This church will be successful when we can speak what we believe and believe what we speak. If we're going to be who we say we are, we have to be who we were. And when I say who we were, I'm not talking about the 60s. Anybody want to talk back to me right there? We got so many people saying, oh, man, we got to get, get back to who we were. Well, who are you talking about? You're talking about 60s or 40s or 50s? Or are you talking about the 70s or 80s or 90s? Like, what are you talking about? Because the apostolic movement or the Pentecostal movement in America is only about 105 years old. So if we're talking about, are we going to get back to who we were? If you're talking about them, my grandmother my grandfather that's not the standard I'm sorry I love them and they're awesome and I believe every word they said but that's not my standard that's not my standard my standard is the Bible that's my standard and if that see if we stand on that foundation if we stand on the foundation of them then that's a shaky foundation because that's his people but when we stand on the foundation of the word of God, that's a sure foundation. And I'm not it doesn't make people wrong. I believe that my grandparents were right and they served God the way that they believed to serve God. And they did things that they needed to do for their culture and their season. And they walked in a way that they needed to walk to make sure that they stayed right and in the house of God. And they did things differently than I did. But I'm living in a different time that they lived in. So my standard has to be God's word. they they said things were bad that that I don't think are that bad but they said things were good that I think are bad you know what I mean like there's moments in their belief system that they took the reins off the horse and said man let it roam and I'm I'm like man you gotta put the reins on that horse and we gotta hold that back because we can't do that now there was a time we could do that we can't do that anymore it's a whole different world that we're living in And so my standard has to be God's word if I'm going to have good success. His law is in my mouth and his law is in my mind. Somebody say my mouth and my mind. My mouth and my mind. Listen, if you can't say it out of your mouth, then it's not in your mind good enough. Get it in your mind so good that it can come out of your mouth. If someone asks you, why do you believe that? And you say, well, because my pastor preaches well, you've already messed up. That's the worst answer you can give. If you say, well, why do you do this? Well, my church. Well, that's the worst answer you can give. You might as well just be, be anything else you want to be. Well, go ahead and make us a cult. That's what we are. If you say, well, you know, I believe because my, my you know, my, my mama, my daddy, my cousin, and my pastor said I got to do it this way. Well, then you've made us a cult with that statement. But if you say, you know what? The Bible said in the book of Acts, chapter 2. How can you... Then that, that doesn't put it on any person. That puts it on a standard that we have. That word is a standard. And there's things that we do around here at Truth Chapel. And you look up on the platform and you see things differently than what you might see in the pew. You might say, well, why are we doing that? Because we have a biblical reference to everything that we do. If we, if we don't have Bible for it, we're very, hes- we're very hesitant to put something on that. Now, I believe in standards as well. You can, you can flip hamburger you can flip a hamburger wearing a camouflage outfit but you're not gonna do that at Burger King if you're gonna work for Burger King you're gonna be wearing some black pants some black shoes that they tell you that you got to wear a Burger King shirt and a Burger King hat you know why because Burger King has a standard you can flip burgers in blue jeans and a tank top But you, you, you're not going to do it at Burger King. You're not going to do it at McDonald's. I can cook this hamburger and be in my pajamas. Absolutely you can. But you won't do it at McDonald's. You're going to be wearing that McDonald's hat. And in 2021, you're going to be wearing a mask. And you're going to have on a hairnet. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the standard. I can serve God any way I want to serve him. Yes, you can. But, but, but not up in here. Well, I can... I can, I can preach and I can teach and I can sing. Yeah, absolutely you can, but, 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 but not in here. I can, I can worship God in my pajamas. Absolutely you can. I believe that, but you're not going to be on this platform in your pajamas. to Come on now, y'all, why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? It was okay. It was okay at Cracker Barrel. But we come to the church and we don't want any of that. But the problem is, is that if the word's in my mind, then I know. That's this is what David meant when he said, thy word have I hid in my heart. But well, we know you can't hide nothing in your heart because this is a muscle that pumps blood. What he meant was his mind. I hid your word in my mind that I might not sin against thee. It wasn't the music that kept me from sinning. It wasn't the shouting that kept me from sinning. You know, you know it, wasn't, it wasn't even the standard that kept me from sinning. It, it was the word that was in my head that when I tried to touch the evil thing the word No, no, you, you know better than that because the Bible said the Bible said the Bible said and if you don't have a reference for what the Bible said then you may do something that you're not supposed to do you may believe something that you're not supposed to believe it's why a lot of our teenagers and a lot of our young adults get super confused when they go to you know college We blame it on the professors and the liberals and we we, we blame it on all that stuff, but really it's our fault. We've been so busy blaming everybody else and the church wants to put blame on everybody else and not take any blame for themselves. If we're gonna have good success with our young adults, then we need to make sure that when they show up to the college room and that professor who's super smart is telling them, look, you know, this and that and this and that, and they're like, man, that makes a lot of sense. But then the word said, if any man come, Preaching any other, you know know what I'm saying? The word in my mind will come out my mouth. If you don't have the word in your mind, you can't keep it in your mouth. And we're confused because we go to places where people are super smart, but we'd have no word to back it up. And I've had people... Sit in my office. I had, one, I had one man sit in my office. This was, this was just a couple years ago in the, in the old building. One man sat in my office. He called me up and said, I'm coming, I'm coming to your office. And he told me, I'm coming to prove you wrong. What he told me? I'm coming to prove you wrong. And he said, I'm bringing my wife with me. I said, come on. I'll be here. 3.30. The front door's open. Come on in the room. You know why? I'm not, ter- I'm not scared to debate you on this. I'm not going to debate you over because the Bible tells me not to debate. So I'm not going to come at you. That's That's not who I am. But if you're going to call me, tell me I'm coming to prove you wrong, come on, Craig, come on in the house. Come in here. Come in here. He came in, this and that, and the Holy Ghost, here's what he told me. He said, you guys preach that you need to speak in tongues to receive the Holy Ghost. I said, absolutely. I said, that's the initial sign of salvation. It is the initial sign of receiving the Holy Ghost. It is not salvation. It is not the Holy Ghost. But if you receive the Holy Ghost the way that they did it in the Bible, you're going to speak in tongues because that is the initial sign of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was was that way in the word. He said, no, the Bible says that tongues will cease. I said, well, that's First Corinthians chapter 13, that's the love chapter. I appreciate that. But, but, but let's read the chapter. We read it together, me, him, and his wife. I said here at the end, the Bible says that where there is prophecy, they will cease; Where there is knowledge, it will cease. And where there is tongues, they shall cease, but charity shall remain. So it's saying that love is stronger than knowledge, prophecy, and tongues. But it doesn't say that tongues are going to cease. I said, do you think prophecy has ceased? No. Do you think that knowledge has ceased? That the, no, there's no more knowledge now. Knowledge has ceased. No, exactly. He neither has tongue seized. It's just saying that tongue, that charity, love, love is going to go farther than these things. Love out. I said, matter of fact, let's go to the next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where Paul specifically tells us to don't forbid people from speaking in tongues. He said, but like when new people come into church, don't greet them at the door speaking in tongues. That's confusing. He also said, don't pray with people and speak in tongues. He said it's confusing to them he said I would rather you speak with understanding because then they know what you're saying at the end of the chapter Paul says matter of fact I'm glad that I speak in tongues more than all of y'all so if tongues cease if that's what you're telling me then why did he say this in verse 14 he had no answer for me he said well the sign of the Holy Ghost is joy happiness and miracles I said well that's not that's not the whole thing he said, yeah, it is. That's it. If you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to get joy. You're going to have happiness. God's going to be touching. You. You're going to have miracles. I said, okay. That's okay. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. I open it up. Is it Acts chapter 8? I said, here we go right here. Philip goes to Samaria. And in Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria. I said, I, I said I'm just going by what you said. In, in, in chapter 8 of the book of Acts, Philip goes to Samaria. And in Samaria, the Bible says that the, the city receives the word with gladness we have gladness they all get baptized the Bible says that in Samaria the entire city is baptized even the witches get baptized that's that's in the Bible the Bible says that there were many who were healed and there was great joy in the city I said so we have gladness joy and miracles and baptism all together I said but read this next verse the next verse says but as of yet the Holy Ghost had fell on none of them. So there was joy, there was gladness, there was baptism, and there was healing. But none of them had received the Holy Ghost. Why? I said, let's keep reading. So Peter and John came, the apostles came, because none of them had received the Holy Ghost yet, and they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. His wife said, I see it. He said, no, 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 you don't. He did. He said, no, you're confused. He told his wife, you're confused. I said, bro, this was your idea. You called me, I didn't call you. I'm just showing you what the word says. Because you cannot have the word in your mouth if it's not in your mind. And people are going to test you and push you. And this world is about to, this world is already but is about to turn the knobs up on inundating the church with false pretenses. And, 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 and if I know the word, what good is it for you? If I know how to combat people that are saying, no, you're wrong, what good is it for you? You, if you want to have good success. And when I started talking about good success today, if you were thinking dollar bills and cars and, 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 and houses, you were way off because I'd rather have success in the word and success in what God wants me to do and and success in God's calling in my life than anything else because if I'll make his kingdom first he'll take care of my kingdom amen and, and, and if I would, would give him everything that I have he told me I will give you the desires of your heart yeah keep the word in your mouth and keep the word in your mind then Then, 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 you shall make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. My desire from the onset of starting this church to this very moment has been for you to get in your word. I've tried to preach and teach in a way that would excite you about the word of God. I've tried to bring you the word in such a way that would say, man, I need to read that again. I've tried to to bring the word and teach and preach in a way where you would go home and go, I, I thought that story said something totally different. Let me read that story again. I've tried to bring you the word in such a way where you would be excited about the word of God. Because my job as a pastor, my job as a pastor is to shepherd the sheep. And I've seen real shepherds in Iraq, real shepherds. And when we think shepherds, every one of us think Ireland. But Jesus wasn't in Ireland. He wasn't eating bangers and mash, okay? Jesus was in the Middle East. And he was talking about shepherds in in the Middle East. He wasn't talking about shepherds in Ireland on the green grassy nose of Ireland. He was talking about shepherds, the shepherds that I saw, who are still in Iraq today, straight Bedouins, who are in the middle of nowhere with sheep. And there's no fences, there's no sheep dogs, there's just a man with a, with a, a bottle of water hanging around his neck and a stick and i've seen him with thousands of sheep one man just thousands of sheep just walking and talking two things two things that the the shepherd does is he is he walks and he talks he walks and he talks When, when he's walking he is constantly keeping the herd moving onto fresh ground fresh food a fresh word that's why pastoring is so much more difficult than evangelizing. When I evangelized, I had about 15 messages and that was good. But as a pastor, you got to bring something new every, every, every Sunday, every, every Wednesday. You got to have something fresh. And so you got to keep moving and you got to keep talking. This is why Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Because in that country, the shepherds walk and talk. They're continually talking or singing. And this is how David was such a great musician, because this is how David kept his sheep around him. They knew his voice. They knew his song. They knew his tune. He was a legit shepherd in that country. And there's not a lot of grass in that country. So you have to keep them moving in order to keep them in the right area to make sure they don't eat all of this gone, and then they starve. Because if the shepherd doesn't move, the herd doesn't move. You don't have to to do that with cows. You know why? Because cows have the ability to smell food and water. And they will go to it whether you take them there or not. But sheep lack that ability. Sheep need to be led. So you don't, never heard of a cow herder or a cow shepherd, someone standing out in the field with cows. Cows can kind of get around and do their own thing. And other herd animals do that as well. But with sheep, They need to be led sometime because sheep will actually eat a whole area gone and then not move and be found malnutritioned and and, and searching. So it takes someone or something to say, hey, we're moving over here to this thing. And so as a pastor, if, if, if I'm a shepherd, my job is to walk and talk, is to continually lead you into fresh word and give you a fresh look, a fresh view of the word of God, but also speak in a way where you hear my voice you need to hear me say it you need to hear the pastoral leadership of this church say it and I don't need to be the only voice that's why in the that's why in the last couple of weeks you've heard from brother Tommy Pinkerton you've heard from brother Brian uh, Hewling you've heard from Pastor John because it it's not just one voice it it's a sure sound from the leadership who's saying hey, listen get in your word read it for yourself Keep it in your mind, that way when the season is right, it can come out of your mouth and make a difference in your life. And then, then, you will have good success. I'm finishing with this. The success that, G, that God was talking to Joshua about was the success of conquering, to go into a land and take what he had already given him. The success that God was talking to Joshua about was, hey Joshua, you're about to lead millions of people into a place that i prepared for them and get them ready for this next season. That's the success that he's talking to Joshua about. You're gonna have good success. And here's how you have that good success: not how good you fight. Not how good you fight. Not, not, not how trained you are, not how organized you are, not not how uh, you know good at this you are, good at that. Here's how you have good success: is that you speak my word and you meditate on it. Meditate on it. And I don't know what in your life you're trying to have success in. Success in family, success in finances, su- success in relationship, success in career, whatever your success level is. I wanna tell you that then an oversimplification may help you sometime. To say, you know what, I need to get in God's word and I need to read and let his word speak to me and then I need to meditate on it. I need to keep that in my mind. I need to read something in the morning and think about it all day and meditate on it. Just, just, just let it sink in my spirit and listen to what the word is speaking to me and what's, what the word is speaking to my future. Good success. Good success. If you want good success, stand to your feet. And I want you to take a moment right here and just give God a shout of praise and worship him in the house. God, I thank you for your word. It's so good. It's so right. It's so I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.